This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Film Show. Today is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer and box office analyst, Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? All right, Ryan. Well, we have to start the show today with a couple of uh, very sad pieces of news. Um, First of all, Paul Rubens passed away at the age of 70. Um, I didn't really grow up watching Pee Wee Herman, but I know this character and and Rubens as an actor and a a comedic presence meant a whole lot to a whole lot of people. Um, What was your relationship like with Paul Rubens? Uh, I definitely watched Pee Wee growing up. Like a little bit of Pee Wee's Playhouse, but definitely like... um uh the the movies more and uh and and like i think i even had like the peewee house playset when i was really young mm-hmm. but like yeah for me paul rubens was like you know yes of course he was that character but like he was also a very good character actor and i loved seeing him pop up and stuff uh like i i really loved him in the johnny depp movie blow that movie where he plays that uh drug smuggler and uh you know, like he shows up in, in, you know, Batman Returns and, and stuff like that. And so I, that was always my thing is I, I liked him a lot in that capacity. And I always kind of wish he'd done more of that stuff. But yeah. 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 And then the other, I mean, arguably even more tragic piece of news is that um, Angus Cloud has died at age 25. He's one of the stars of Euphoria, another show that I've never seen. But like, God, just the reading about this story and the, the tragic nature of like the fact that he lost his father very recently as well. And the fact that he was so young and so beloved and, and was by all accounts, the sort of beating heart of that show. Um, it just like rips my heart open to, to read that. Um, so uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that up top. I know, I don't think you watch euphoria either. Do you Ryan? No, I didn't, but apparently he had a movie that he had finished. That's still going to be coming out. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. He's just one of those guys. I didn't I had not seen a single thing he'd worked on, but he was a guy that I had still heard of just because like people like he was one of those people that really broke out from that show as far as, you know, I just I 25. It's just hard for me to, you know, like just I, I you know, my heart goes out to anyone close to I. That's just brutal. And you yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Tough um, stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I just wanted to sort of pay very quick tribute to, to those folks up at the top of the show. Uh, I guess in lighter news, we published last Friday, uh, something that I alluded to on a previous episode of this podcast, which was, uh, this, this big piece that, um, the whole site sort of collectively worked on together, which is uh, slash films, top 100 star Wars movie moments. So I was very vague about it. I didn't want to like spoil exactly what it was that we were doing when I mentioned it on the show recently. Um, but now that that is out and I just encourage people to, to read it because there's contributions in there from a ton of different slash film folks, um, including voices that you've heard on this podcast before. And, uh, 
yeah, it's sort of, I mean, I don't want to just repeat every single thing that I said on the last episode when I was talking about it, but it really did open my eyes to the fact that Star Wars can, you know, it, it operates and holds such uh, sway in our culture and sort of, um, you know, sits as this hallowed object in in pop culture. But looking at it and breaking it down into its component parts like this and, and analyzing tiny little moments like little line deliveries and, um, you know, uh, physical gestures that characters make and things like that. I mean, that's the the granularity level that we're getting to in this list. Um, it's not just the same stuff that you've read in a million other internet lists before. Uh, it really just made me appreciate the fact that this started out as just a movie that that you know any like any other. Um, and so sometimes you forget that with these like iconic pop culture properties. And it was a an eye-opening experience for me. So um, did you, I assume you being like a huge Star Wars fan really enjoyed looking at it through the, that lens, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote seven of the blurbs and I I, I think I, I pretty much got, I, I got to write like if I, if I got to pick, like if you gave me seven, like there was only one that I would have liked to have maybe done that I didn't do personally, but like it was, yeah. And, and there were a couple of things. I And what was more about it to me was, Cause I think sometimes, and like, I got to a point last year where I wrote a thing for us. Cause I'm just so tired of all the negativity around this thing that I love so much. And, uh, and, and I just remember reading through the list and reading some of the things people wrote. Like I, I literally, like I teared up a little bit. Like it just like some of the things just got me. So like, I love this thing so much. And mm-hmm. some of the writing and some of the like real, like digging into those moments, uh, like uh, Jacob wrote about the, I love you. I know. Uh, moment and just like what he wrote about that I thought was beautiful and I don't know just so, so some of that stuff I th- it's it's nice to really like connect you know if you love Star Wars as deeply as I love Star Wars like reading some of the stuff is just it, it really is like oh yeah this is why I love this yeah so I'll put a link to that in the show notes and I encourage people to check that out um, so let's get into it right let's talk a little bit about the box office to start things off uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer are casting a very very uh, is it long shadow is that the phrase <laughs> um, that they're still performing very very well tell me about that yeah so um, you know second weekend of the Barbenheimer matchup uh, look again it's it's gonna probably go this way but Barbie, again, was number one. Oppenheimer was number two. What's very interesting is that they both dropped 43% in the second weekend. They both had the exact same level of drop domestically. So, like, interest has not waned for either movie whatsoever. Um, That's a um, weird coincidence, isn't it? Isn't isn't it kind of fascinating that that, 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 that hype? But I think what it was, because we saw that hype train moving into the opening weekend, and I think what's interesting is, like, that they both sort of had the same level. Like they both seem to be benefiting from, you know, the, the, like it, it I don't know. It's just a fascinating thing that, that the, because I think relative, and I talked about a lot about this last week, but like relative to both, like Barbie is the, the more audience friendly global movie. Whereas Oppenheimer is like an R rated three hour thriller. So like, you know, Oppenheimer was almost never going to make more than Barbie in, in some ways, but like, it's just <laughs> crazy that the hold is both, but but the big thing now is that Barbie is, I couldn't believe this yesterday when I saw, when I was looking at the numbers, Barbie has already made 780 million worldwide. Like if you had told me Barbie was going to make that during its entire theatrical run, I would have had a hard time believing you. Uh, <laughs> it is assured to break the billion dollar mark by weekend three, if not well before next Monday. 
Um, and uh, and it may well pass the Super Mario Brothers movie as the highest grossing movie of the year. And if it does that, I there is nothing coming out that can catch it. So uh, it will finish 2023 as the biggest. It, it is at least going to be the second highest grossing movie of the year above Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, well above, I might add. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that is wild. Yeah, I mean, like the level, it can't be understated the level that all of us, I mean, myself very much included, underestimated this movie. I thought it was going to perform better than, you know, some of the folks that I'd, I'd seen sort of predicting things. And But like, I, I could not fathom the uh, the cultural phenomenon that this thing would become so quickly. It's it's really um, yeah. lovely to see. Because I, I can't emphasize enough that like on a $145 million budget, which I'll admit, like, I still think that was like, you know, look, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I still think that was a lot of money to spend on this movie. Like, I was like, man, that's, you know, that's, that's like a big bet, you know, that's, and so I would have thought like, okay, if you get to 450 worldwide, that would look pretty good. You know, like, I think we'd be counting that as a success. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's already going to be double that in a matter of days, less than three weeks into its run is just, I I just can't emphasize this guy who talks about this all the time, who's analyzed this stuff for years, that, that is just bananas. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, so like it is, it is, it is truly, truly crazy. Hats um, off to Greta Gerwig. Hats um, a truly, truly like she's about to become. Uh, so there is a movie called Hi Mom that was released in China in 2021. It was directed by a woman. Uh, that is the highest grossing movie ever directed by a woman. Greta Gerwig will own that title in a matter of days. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, so tell me how Oppenheimer is doing. Well, like I said, Oppenheimer had a very, you know, again, a, a very good hold. Again, uh, uh, IMAX just extended its run by another few weeks for Oppenheimer. So sorry, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, what do you on, think about that? I mean, I, IMAX goes where the demand is, right? Like, you know, like you're going to you're going to give the people what they want. I'm sure you're on Twitter, Ben. I'm sure you've seen people posting screenshots of like, I still can't get an IMAX screening, you know, two weeks from now. Yeah. You know, so, you know, so. Um, but Oppenheimer made 46.7 million in its second weekend. That was one of the best second weekends ever for an R rated movie. Um, uh, it is now, uh, at 405.5 million worldwide. It is already the 11th biggest movie of the year. It will soon pass John Wick chapter four as the highest grossing R rated movie of the year, um, to enter the top 10, uh, worldwide. And, uh, what's pretty amazing is looking at how fast it's going up the charts it is uh what it's going to finish with is it, it was really crazy like so barring a catastrophe it's almost certainly going to make more money than interstellar which was 647.8 million worldwide if wow. you compare those two on paper interstellar is a much more easy movie to sell i think yeah and then and then what's really crazy is inceptions 728.5 million worldwide is insight no way. Oh my God. I didn't even yeah, think about like, that. Wow. Now I'm not saying it for sure will do that, but if things hold, it, you know, so it could become Christopher Nolan's biggest movie ever that does not have Batman in it. Wow. And again, for that, for this movie to make more than Inception, I mean, that speaks volumes about the, what Christopher Nolan has earned with moviegoers. Mm-hmm. Because let's be very, very clear. Yes, that movie has a lot of stars in it. It is, I really believe this is a situation where Christopher Nolan is the one selling this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I, I think mean, that's true. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Um, you know, and uh, 
you know, so that that that's the that's the big two this weekend. So that's where uh, the the Barbenheimer phenomenon has proved to be bigger than any of us could have expected. So, okay, let, let's talk about some of the other aspects of the box office. Uh, you mentioned last week that the numbers for Haunted Mansion weren't looking great. How did they pan out in the opening weekend? Worse than I thought. Um, yeah, I kind of was thinking like my 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 thing was like at least twenty five, maybe closer to thirty. Like in my head, I had it around twenty seven, twenty eight million. It debuted to twenty four million dollars. Uh, the movie, the budget finally came in. It was one hundred and fifty million dollars, so it was slightly less than what was originally reported. But I mean, that's just <laughs> that's yeah. uh, that's that's pretty disastrous. So it only it made. I, I think it's got quite a few international territories to still open in, but it only made nine million internationally. So thirty three million dollar global debut. Uh, I don't. I mean. You don't need to be a math expert to know that's good. That's bad. So, I mean. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk about sometimes, Ryan, is like the, uh, you know, in lieu of the um, physical media market, which has all but vanished, but is on a little bit of an uptick, I would say, in the past year, let's say, uh, there seems to be some signs of life that people are actually interested in buying physical yeah, media again it's absolutely um, it's absolutely there was i think the the folks at oh god who, who uh, media play news i think they put out it's like the physical media sales are up like 20 22 percent year over year or something okay well yeah i mean i guess 22 percent of you know over yeah. almost nothing is, is sure. maybe not like super uh, impressive but but still that that I, I think yeah signs of life is maybe a good way of putting it uh and i hope that trend uh continues to go upward because I, I love the idea of people, um, you know, getting wise to the idea of like, you don't necessarily own everything that you think you own digitally and all that. We've talked about that stuff on the podcast before. Anyway, a long way of saying, um, you know, in, in lieu of the physical media market, we've talked before about the idea of like green lighting these projects in terms of um, as like a secondary reason, aside from making money at the in the initial box office run, is to sort of boost the value for the streaming services, right? So uh, in this case, it would be Disney Plus with Haunted Mansion. And I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, why the hell did this movie come out in July? And I just read somewhere, I forget where, I apologize if you're listening to this and you wrote this article. Uh, but maybe the one of the reasons that they might have released it at the end of July is so they could keep it in theaters for a little while and then actually release it on Disney Plus in October timed to Halloween. Instead of putting it in theaters for Halloween, you could drop it on Disney Plus for Halloween. And I was like, oh, that's the first thing that I've heard that actually makes sense for why they would do that. And I don't yeah. know, you know, if that makes if that um, justify if that reasoning is good enough, really, for, for the positioning that it had. But I just wanted to uh, pose that idea to you, Ryan, and get your reaction to that. I mean, look, it makes some sense, but I think that intern my my gut is that internally Disney felt that this is one that got away from them, um, and I think that maybe they sort of suspected it wasn't gonna do what they hoped it was gonna do. So, I still, I mean, I still feel like putting it in this corridor, maybe the busiest couple of weeks we've had. You know, I don't know. It it still feels like a, a bit of a miscalculation, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that would make some sense. But but I mean, even Iger has been pretty clear. Like we talked, I talked very briefly in like our Slack channel right before this, that The Boogeyman, a movie that sneakily made a fair amount of money at the box office uh, and was originally supposed to go to Hulu, is now getting a digital and Blu-ray release as well before it goes to Hulu. So like Disney is very clearly trying to like window these things a little better than they used to, mm -hmm. you know, like and trying to like, okay, well, 
you know, yeah, it'll eventually benefit Disney Plus, but let's make some money along the way too. You know, yeah. like let's not forget that Barbarian last year, my favorite movie of the year last year, ended up not getting a Blu-ray release. You know, so like, so like that they're they're clearly sort of changing their tune on some of that stuff. So sure, that argument makes some sense, but I mean, there's is it going to be? I mean, this movie right now, God, if I were to guess, I, I mean, you're probably going to have under a hundred million dollar global finish. So. You know, I mean, what you don't even you, what you match two thirds of your budget before marketing. Right. You know, I mean, that's and, a yeah. lot of money to make up. Right. That's a lot of money to make up in subscribers on Disney Plus that, that yeah. already aren't there. Um, and we've been very clear that that's not that that's not a strategy that's been working. And that's why all these studios are now pivoting. Like, yes, streaming is a part of our future, but we got to have multiple revenue streams because that can't be the only thing. Yeah. So 100 like, percent. You know. um, there's a couple of other things. I mentioned the Mission Impossible thing that like. Dead Reckoning is now probably going to finish at best around six hundred million worldwide against a three hundred million dollar budget. Um, ouch! I really hope uh, Dead Reckoning Part Two is cheaper uh, because that is rough. Um, I heard on a podcast Christopher McQuarrie say something like they shot they've already shot like thirty to forty percent of Dead Reckoning Part Two, and obviously production has stopped because of the strikes. Um, so I'm not sure when they're going to get you know, back up and running again. It all depends on when the studios decide to return to the negotiating table. Uh, but, um, but yeah, you know, we're talking about like maybe some of that budget of that first movie included some stuff from the second. I don't know how they're going to, you know, Hollywood accounting fudge the numbers to make it look as ideal as possible or whatever when all is said and done. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I, would, I, I don't know. I don't know what percentage of, of the part. I, I think it's fair to that a certain percentage of two was shot, but that's still, yeah, but still at the moment, the optics of that are pretty rough. Um, the other thing real quick, just to highlight something else I wrote was uh, Sound of Freedom made more money again than Mission Impossible. It made another $12.8 million this week, and it is now just shy of $150 million domestic. Um, Sound of Freedom is might finish the year as one of the top 10 highest domestic grocers. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy around this film. I spent a couple of weeks really digging into that. Uh, there's a piece on the site right now you can read where I sort of did my best to get to the bottom of it. And uh, in short, a lot of the conspiracy theories that you've been hearing and stuff appear to be untrue. It's just a messy situation with a kind of messy movie. And um, But the movie, nonetheless, is making a ton of money at a time when theaters could use it. So, you know, uh, I don't know. It's It's a complicated situation, to be certain. Yeah, I'm going to link to that piece in the show notes because it's great. And you did a lot of like actually, you know, sort of pounding the pavement real uh, talking to people and, and trying to get to the bottom of stuff instead of just, um, you know, reporting on tweets or whatever. So well, uh, I like, encourage one, people to read that. Because one of the things I, I in case you don't read it, the one thing like one of the things they did, for example, I'm sure a lot of people saw is that there were reports of like people holding up phones in empty theaters and like, you know, that were supposedly sold out. So I went to go see what was up with that. And like what I can tell you is that like the theater I went to had 30 seats sold. And even when the trailers start playing, started playing, there were like a handful of people in there. However, right before the movie started playing, by the time like people trickled in real quick, there was like 27 of those 30 people showed up. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, look, it was one theater and one, but like, you know, that they're sure. Maybe there were a few empty theaters, but there were full ones too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's, it's complicated, but um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so tell me about talk to me. This is a movie that I'm excited about. I haven't seen it yet. I think I'm going on oh, vacation. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? 
No, I'm going on vacation next week. Um, I'm going to be out of the country. And then, so we probably won't have podcast episodes next week just for the listeners out there. But then as soon as I get back, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on diving into Talk to Me and Ninja Turtles and yeah, trying to catch up with some stuff and Haunted Mansion movies that I haven't seen yet. So uh, I think I'm maybe most excited to see Talk to Me just because I've heard that it's so good. Jacob really loved it when he saw it earlier this year. Uh, and it sounds like you enjoyed it too with the way that you just said that, Ryan. Yeah, no, I saw it at South by and uh, yeah, it's... um. Uh, it, it there it's it's a good movie it's a good movie but there it's like it there's it, it it's one of those movies that like for one i think sticks the landing like there, there's those times where you're just like oh yes okay great you stuck the landing. like uh for me like whiplash is a great example of that or like mm-hmm. you just you just nail the landing in this but there's also a scene in this movie that like like my girlfriend really wants to see it and i'm like i i could maybe go with you again but there's a scene that sticks with me so bad in this movie like it just, it, I think I just sometimes just sit there and think about it and how like hauntingly horrible it is. <laughs> just like, uh, but, uh, but, but uh, I, to your point, this movie ended up making $10.4 million this weekend, um, uh, placing a number six on the charts. Now that's not a huge number, but the movie only cost $4.5 million to make. Uh, it's also from a 24 and this, you know, this is a studio that tends to sort of like slow build their movies. So it's actually one of their bigger opening weekends ever, mm-hmm. like ever. And uh, so, um, yeah, I talked to me, did really well. And, you know, uh, very it's got like a 96 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So the buzz is good. The budget was right. Um, You know, and this is just continuing that trend of like horror is going to stay winning, you know. uh, So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like one of those movies, too, that's actually geared toward a younger audience where so many movies today are, um, you know, with with like featuring aging movie stars and are trying to court you know, older viewers to come back to the theater. This seems like one of those movies that's actually, you know, uh, aimed squarely at young people and getting young people excited about going to see a movie. So um, hopefully that's one of those things that even if they didn't show up on opening weekend, it'll have some legs to it because of those things you mentioned, the good word of mouth and all that. So um, I hope that it becomes a thing where, you know, young people who may have spent the past few years not paying much attention to what's going on in movie theaters uh, might be excited to, you know, see what all the buzz is about and everything. And then like actually start making it a little bit of a habit to go back to the movies. So, um, you know, I can hope that may be naive Ryan, but I can hope. Uh, well, it's, it's not even, but I mean, again, it's all, you know, this is all relative. So like at this point, you know, the movie's still got a lot of international territories to, if this does like barbarian numbers, right. Where it gets to like, you know, just shy of 50 million worldwide against that budget. That's great. Yeah. You know, so it's the relativity is helpful. Like that's all, you know, like it's uh, so, yeah, that's good that I think it's uh, I'm happy for it. I really am because it did it beat industry projections and it was only in uh, 2300 theaters, whereas like, you know, Barbie was in like 4300. So it did those numbers in, in slightly fewer theaters, which is which is good. So speaking of relativity, if we had looked at just the opening weekend of Pixar's Elemental, which I think we did at one point, you could probably go back and listen to us talk about that on, <laughs> yeah. on an episode of this podcast. Uh, things were looking pretty dire for that movie. But now uh, Pixar's Elemental seems to be like one of the biggest sort of surprise success stories in, uh, I don't know, the modern era is too far, but but certainly since the pandemic. So tell well, me about that. I, you know, you you can make an argument that the modern era is the kind of pandemic era. Yeah, right? I guess that's like true. Because that, that was like sort of a seismic shift in how all this stuff works. So um, yeah, I mean, I was very bummed about what happened with Elemental because I, I herald Pixar as like a gold, I know I've talked about this, but like a golden theatrical brand that I really want to see survive. So that opening weekend for Elemental was a real bummer for me. But 
It has held on for dear life, and it is still in the top 10 at the domestic charts. Added another $3.4 million this weekend, even against all the competition. It is now at $395.9 million worldwide. Um, It is amazingly enough the highest grossing original Hollywood movie since the pandemic began. It overtook Christopher Nolan's tenant to take that crown. Uh, it is uh, probably eyeing at least $450 million worldwide after a only $29 million domestic start. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, so it could, uh, it, it, it could cap out at around $500 million, actually, depending on how things go. If it does get close to $500 million, it actually might come it's it, it, that's either going to be close to a break-even point or so it might actually get close to breaking even in its theatrical run which did not seem possible before and for yeah. a pixar movie that is then going to have a run on like vod blu-ray that will bring a lot of value to disney plus that is absolutely a win for disney like full stop because they will over time make money with this movie for sure so yeah i mean that's just you know I think they're, you know, it's great because it's see audiences will go to, to see these movies. You just have to give them the chance to. So I think like as long as the movie is good and the reviews for this movie were good and everything. So I think it's going to make Disney continue to invest in Pixar as a theatrical brand, but Pixar originals more importantly. So that is great, great, great news. That is my feel good story of the summer for sure. So you mentioned, you know, it's now the biggest original Hollywood movie and, and that's like true original, right? Like Barbie is based on something. Oppenheimer yeah, talking, even is based on a book. You're talking about like true, pure original true ideas, original not based concept. on concept because like there were like a couple of Chinese movies that were like historical epics or things like that, where it's like, you're talking like this was an original idea, like nobody, you know, cause everything else that has made more than $395 million is a remake, a reboot based on something, based on an event, based on a person, based on a toy, nothing else original. So. Wow. I mean, that that alone says a lot about this, the current state of Hollywood, doesn't it? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of amazing when I looked at like, I was like, wow, that's impressive. And then I was like, wait, is is this, is the, is the floor for that really like $400 million? <laughs> and then I was like, well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, but I, but I look at something like Barbie and that actually gives me hope, right? Because I have no problem with IP or looking at familiar things or whatever like that's like and and that's like actually you know like a a really great use of ip and so like i think for me like that i have hope that what's going on right now with barbie oppenheimer elemental movies like this that you know studios are going to be forced to look at like all right we can't just rest on our laurels here like we can't just put optimus prime on screen again and hope that i want them to keep doing that but you know the the ticket sales (laughs) say like you know that might not work so yeah, maybe when they uh, incorporate GI Joe into the title of the next one, then uh, maybe that'll be a little bit of a boost for you there, Ryan. But <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that we still get a next one at a because uh, I, I I quite liked Rise of the Beast, but but point being, you can't make those movies for two hundred million dollars anymore, and just hope that they you know the the name alone gets you there. But yeah. So anyway, I think that's pretty much. I think that's most everything for the the big box office stuff this weekend. Oh, last thing, Insidious: The Red Door. Uh, quietly continuing to do very well uh now the highest grossing insidious movie so expect more insidious okay good for patrick wilson nice good for patrick wilson uh that's what he needs congratulations from us (laughs) uh okay all right let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back to talk about some more news 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so one thing that I had written down here is just the Loki season two trailer, Ryan. And I watched this and I saw your reaction in Slack and I wanted to give you a little bit of a <laughs> a, a, a place here to uh, run through some of your feelings on this. What, what was your initial reaction when you watched this trailer? Can I ask you real quick before we do that? What, what's, what's your relationship to Marvel at this exact moment? At this exact moment, uh, I would say ambivalence um is probably (laughs) where i am at this exact moment i I would say uh the upcoming slate does not have me thrilled and uh, several of the most recent movies left me very very cold i i appreciated guardians 3 certainly um but yeah I, i think they're on like a an all-time cold streak for Marvel Studios. And yeah. I, I don't think that's a, a hot take or anything. No, so. and I think like I, I think I've mentioned stuff like this in the podcast before, but like there was nobody less likely to feel ambivalent about the Marvel Cinematic Universe than me. And like it is upsetting to me every time I feel that ambivalence. And like like I still haven't finished Secret Invasion. I can't believe I haven't finished Secret Invasion. Like I I should be itching to finish Secret Invasion. Right. Um it is uh yeah, it's just it's hard. It's like a hard place to be. Um but like then when it's good, like Guardians 3, like there's a moment in Guardians 3 that gave me like I felt like a kid again where I was like I it's maybe maybe like my favorite scene of any movie in any years in that movie because like when it's good, it's so good. Mm-hmm. But like, but yeah, so, uh, but Loki, like, but right now I'm just like, I just, I almost feel like I need a break. I'm like, I just need to not feel like, like this, like negative feeling about this thing that I love. But yeah. then like the Loki season two trailer comes out. Cause I like, I, I have not liked most of the shows. Loki is the one, like one of the ones I really actually liked a lot. And mm-hmm. I think it actually worked as a show, right? Like it shouldn't have been a movie. Like it made sense as a show. And I was, and, and like, so then the trailer comes out and I'm like, God damn it. Like, like, you know, I just, I'm just like, cause I'm like, ah, you're gonna, cause the problem with some of these shows, like I was so excited for Falcon and winter soldier and like, I'm on the ride most of the way. And then like, it just dropped the ball at the end. And like, you know, like, and so like these things I get excited for, they just sort of fall apart for me. So like, I'm really, I'm, I love this trailer and I'm really looking forward to this, but it's like, what's even going to happen with Kang? Why are we doing this? Yeah, it was just, it's just weird, honestly, to see Jonathan Majors back as Kang after all of the allegations. And like, I think some of that stuff is still tied up in the courts. So we don't know exactly how all of that is going to play out. But there's been so much speculation about like how Marvel is going to change direction and sort of like uh, move Kang to the sidelines and sweep him under a rug and like shift into a new villain or whatever, like because of that whole sort of off screen, uh, stuff that happened with with him that you can read about if you google it uh but um yeah so it was just it's it's just an odd experience to see his face full frame in a marvel trailer as if everything is fine and we don't know if everything is fine right now so that's just a little odd um the one thing that i will say you know i guess aside from aside from the the kang oddness is that i think based on what they did with season one of loki the trailer for season two makes me think that 
when this show, and it, it will be when, Ryan, inevitably uh, overstays its welcome and has episodes that it doesn't need that are too long and the show becomes padded out and whatever, maybe based on what happened in season one, this world, this corner of the Marvel Universe with the TVA and the idea that uh, that Loki and um, Owen Wilson's character are jumping through time and all of that, maybe there's enough there uh, enough sort of differentiation there where those uh, bloated episodes will actually be stand a chance of being interesting on their own and not just feel like everything is grinding to a halt like so many of these Marvel shows have felt like in the past. Yeah, that's my biggest problem is that they just don't feel like it just feels like a feature concept that they couldn't justify as a feature that like Hawkeye worked for me. Like Hawkeye was like, this felt like a show. Like, whereas like, you know, again, yeah. Cause I'm with you. It's like, you're right. It's going to have that feeling. I'm just so tired of that. Like this didn't need to be this way. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's almost like you just wish that they would say, okay, we're going to do a four episode series or right. Don't you know, a three be, but episode. Thing but it's so something. clear that they need it to be, you know, like, like for, again, for these Disney plus reasons for this corporate, like, Oh, it's gotta be this long because you gotta have the people coming week to week. You gotta have this, that, the other thing. And it's like, yeah, but does the show need that? Like, I, I look, I know people love WandaVision, but from the jump for me with these shows, like those first two or three episodes of WandaVision where it is just nothing is happening and you're just sort of like getting into the weirdness of the world. I'm like, like that from the very beginning, I was like, oh, is this what we're doing? <laughs> just So it's like, yeah, but this is the, one of the shows. Like, it's like this and Hawkeye are the ones I really liked. I, I like Miss Marvel too, but um, yeah, but but like, but. But like it, so I, I just, I have that hopefulness and I, God, I love Owen Wilson in this role. Like I really, like there's been rumors that he's going to be a big part of Deadpool three. And I think that that's very believable given what we know about Deadpool three mm -hmm. and, and like, that seems so exciting to me. And like, that's interesting. And, and I like for all this multiverse nonsense they've done that I don't like, I love Loki's place in the multiverse. Like I love the TV. I think that's such a cool you know, like sort of explanation of all this. And so like, mm -hmm. I, I just hope, I hope this is good. I hope it makes sense. And I just like, I just want to like Marvel stuff, man. I just want to like this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and the supporting cast here is really strong. Obviously you've got uh, Tom Hiddleston and Sophia DiMartino coming back, but then you have like Kihui Kwan and uh, Eugene Cordero and some of these other folks that I think Cordero was actually in season I love one too, but like he's seen in the trailer is so fun. And yeah. it's like, oh man, he just fits in there, and you're just like, oh, please be good. <laughs> yeah, Rafael Casal from uh, from Blind Spotting is going to pop up in this season as well. So yeah, it, it certainly has like, and and I think um, uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson are directing a handful of episodes too. The the guys behind like um, I Moon think Knight, they, they actually and, did some Moon Knight, yeah. But, but yeah, I was thinking like something in the dirt. There, something their, in uh, the dirt. Oh, what a weird movie. movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. Fun did you watch stuff. something in the dirt? I did, yeah. I watched it yeah. at Sundance, whenever that was, yeah, last year or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, th there's a lot to uh, a lot to potentially be excited about. I'm just worried about like a Lucy and, and Charlie Brown in the football situation, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> how many times am I going to get uh, excited about something? Only but that, to have that's how I felt. That's how I. That's what happened to me. Like, because I remember when I was at San Diego Comic-Con last year and I saw the first Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania trailer. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming away from all of that. And my craziest takeaway from everything that we saw was that Ant-Man against all odds had the best trailer. And that the second best trailer was secret invasion. <laughs> I was like, secret mm. invasion looked like a movie to me where I was like, a lot of these shows looked like shows. And, and then uh, like 
Ant-Man was really not very good and, 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 or it was just kind of whatever. And, and secret invasion, uh, I, I can't speak to the finale, but, uh, everything I've heard has been pretty brutal. So it's like, yeah. well, you know, fool me once or whatever, but yeah. Uh, okay. So let's, t- uh, continue talking about, uh, I guess, Disney related things, uh, over on the Lucasfilm side. Um, there's been a lot of questions, I guess, about the future of, Lando Calrissian and like what is going to happen with that character. There was talk for a long time that uh, a Lando show with Donald Glover reprising his role from Solo, a Star Wars story. It was going to be happening at some point. Uh, Justin Simeon, who directed Haunted Mansion, was attached to, I, I believe, like be the head writer and or showrunner of that series. And uh, I think this came out on Friday or like late last week, maybe Thursday after we ended re- the recording, uh, that. Now, Justin Simeon is off the project, which is a real tough week for him, considering Haunted Mansion's, uh, uh, I guess, underwhelming uh, box office performance so far. Um, But now Donald Glover and his brother, Stephen Glover, are going to be writing this show and sort of like taking over the creative reins of the Lando show. So, uh, I mean, I hate to see Justin Simeon like booted to the curb because, again, like I, I feel like he's a guy with a lot of talent and with the right story, I feel like he would definitely thrive. Uh, I really appreciated what he did with Dear White People, and I've liked a lot of the stuff that he's done. Um, but I also love Atlanta, which uh, obviously Donald Glover and Stephen Glover were two of the huge like uh, driving forces behind that series. So I'm not sure how, if they're going to be able to bring like the, uh, the true weirdness of something like Atlanta to a much more mainstream concept of what do you do with Lando Calrissian in a Star Wars show? Uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about this uh, changing of the guard here, Ryan? Uh, I feel terrible for Justin Simeon, who learned about this through the news like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw it. And like, and like, look, he you can't lay the blame for Haunted Mansion at that dude's feet. Like, that's not, you know, like, so I don't know. But anyway, and he's he's going to take the bullet for it, which sucks. But um, but yeah, like, look, I love Donald Glover. Like, I love like I think he's perfect. For younger Lando, I think he's although what's interesting, I think he's about as old now as like Billy D. Williams was when like Empire, like I think they're about the same age now. Wow. So it's like wild to think about. You can't even really do like it's not even young Lando anymore, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah. Lando. But but I, I I look, I would watch like I think this is one of the other ones that lends itself to a show, right? Like, but I think it's like you did the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I think you do like the young Lando Calrissian Chronicles or like you know, the adventures of Lando Calrissian. And I think you have like Billy come back, like book, you know, do like bookends and sort of like telling tales of his younger years. And that's what I would like. That's what I would like to see. And I think that's what makes it make sense as a show. Yeah. Um, although I don't cool. know, have you seen that Billy D. Williams has been like all over Twitter talking about like something coming up? Like he's got like some. No, uh, I haven't. Yeah. So I'll, I'll re- he just posted yesterday. He's like, I'm thrilled to share that something truly magnificent is coming soon. This is a dream come true for me on all that has sustained and carried me through a lifetime of dreams and adventure. It is my honor to share with you. Make sure to enable notifications for my stories and posts to stay in the loop. Uh, you don't want to miss that. May the force be with you all. So I don't know if he's, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I, it's almost certain that I'm reading too much into it, but I, I almost wonder if like, he's, you know, like, is it possible like he's going to announce he's coming back for the show or I have no idea, but. Huh. Um, interesting. Again, that's maybe me. he's that's... just starting a uh, a liquor company like every other celebrity. <laughs> hey, look, that's been a good business strategy for everyone else that's done it. So whatever, <laughs> but like, but but I, I but again that that's the version of it that interests me. But that's me putting a fan pitch on something that doesn't even exist yet. 
Sure. Uh, but you have a couple of very talented guys. Um, and I think like Donald Glover, like, cause he had some interview a few weeks ago where he's like, yeah, I'd love to play Lando again, but it's got to interest me. And it's all about the script or whatever. So mm-hmm. like if he's in control, then you've got a much better shot at the show actually getting, getting made. Certainly. You know? So it's like, I, but, uh, it's all about the concept for me. Like if it's just something where you're like pretty much stretching out a movie into a show, I don't need that. If you're going to give me like half hour to hour, like tales from Lando Calrissian's diary, like I think that's fun. But, you know, uh, the last question I have before we move on, would you be excited about the return of Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo in an episode or two of a show like this? I wouldn't say excited, but I, I think Alden Ehrenreich had an absolutely impossible ask. And I think he did as well as anyone could have been expected. Um, yeah. I, and again, I think that like, and I think he's incredible in Oppenheimer. I think he's amazing in, in um, Hail Caesar. So I like him a lot as an actor. And I think, of course you do that, right? Like that's like, because I think the other thing with that is like all Nerd right kind of bear the brunt of something that wasn't his fault as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a way like Lucasfilm probably, you let, you let the guy come back if he wants to come back, right? Like give him a little bit of a like, hey, you know, sorry, this yeah. all sucked. Go have some fun. Yeah, he's on a bit of a hot streak right now. Like you mentioned, Oppenheimer. He's also in this movie that I saw at Sundance earlier this year called Fair Play, which is really good. And Netflix yeah, I've heard about it up. that. Um, I'm not sure when the release date for that is going to be, but uh, he's he's very very good in that. So um, yeah, I would love to see him sort of come back with like a little bit of the extra experience that he's had since uh, Solo. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of extra swagger or something, knowing that uh, the the pressure is off him, um, you know, to carry the thing like it was in, in the movie. And maybe he can just like have a little bit of fun, almost like reversed roles, you know, of, of what happened with uh, with Donald Glover and Aaron Reich in the movie, you know, just like uh, swap the, uh, the the target on his back kind of thing. So uh, one thing that I mentioned here or that I have written down in our show notes is uh, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse has been yanked off of the calendar, the release calendar by Sony. Uh, Venom 3 and Craven the Hunter have new dates. There's a whole bunch of release date shuffles and things like that you can read about. I'm not going to go through all of them. I just wanted to put it on people's radar in case they missed this story uh, when it broke. When was that? Uh, I guess late last week. I think it was probably like a Friday news announcement. So um, check that out if you want to you know, get the, the latest about when those movies have been shifted to. But the last story that we wanted to talk about on the podcast today involves saw x or saw 10 i I don't i don't actually know what number this is i mean i would assume it's 10 but with as the fast and furious movies have shown sometimes there can be uh you know do they count spiral from the book of saw as part of the main saw saga i don't know how but that's but that but that 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 is the ninth spiral was the ninth movie so this would be 10 Okay. All right. So they're they're keeping their numbers. Uh, yeah, a little bit but like, tighter. but also, I'm going the Jason X route and just calling it Saw X. Like that's okay. what I'm doing. I'm choose. I don't care what Lionsgate tells me. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> all right. So the hilarious thing about these movies is that uh, John Kramer, the the character known as Jigsaw, the sadistic um, torturer who is essentially the the antagonist of all of these Saw movies dies at i believe the end of saw two or maybe the very it's beginning three. of saw three it's saw okay. three he dies yeah which and by then, the way came out in 2005 i believe something like that yeah maybe 2006 uh but yeah so it, it, the the chronology of these movies is unreal i mean talking about fast and furious it's it's almost the same level of just pure ridiculousness on display. So Saw X is actually going to take place between Saw 1 and Saw 2 because 
uh, Tobin Bell, the guy who's playing John Kramer slash Jigsaw, is the main character of this movie. And they want to, uh, I guess, not stretch the, the credulity any further than the fact <laughs> that they already have of having this guy's, um, you know, the legacy and the the people who have taken the baton from him uh, stretching all the way out and, and impacting people like uh, the ripples in a in a river when you throw a rock into it or whatever. So now they're actually going back to the source basically and just having this take place right after the first movie. Um, and the trailer for Saw X came out. And so I wanted to see what you thought about that, Ryan. And then also just like, what are your thoughts overall on the Saw franchise? I, I The Saw movies I like, I really like. There's, there's no question there's been a couple stinkers in the bunch. Me and my girlfriend have been slowly working through them again in the lead up to this. Um, and uh, like... I love Tobin Bell in this role. Like, I think like the thing Tobin Bell, like guy at 60 years old, completely reinvents like who he will be seen as for the rest of his life. Like, and I think that's pretty cool. Like, and I think he's very good. Like an underrated part of these movies, Tobin Bell is very, very good in these movies. Like he, he's, he's often rising above what these movies are. And, um, and so look, I, 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 there, I, I'm like, all right, if you're going to be silly, just do it. Just like really do it. And I love, I remember when I read that this is what they're doing, I was so excited. I was like, cool, let's get wacky. Like if you're going to do it, let's get absolutely wacky. Like these movies have always understood what they are. And I think this is an example of like, cool, if we're going to get Tobin Bell to do one more, like let's just go nuts and let him really be the guy. And like, and, and I love the concept, like the trailer. I love the trailer. Um, And I, and I love, like, I was, I was like, I love this idea that like, you're giving this guy hope and then like ripping it away from him. And like, oh my God, I just, I really love it. So um, I want to ask you about that real quick, like a detail about this trailer. It seems to me that, and I only watched it once. So I, and I'm not like fully caught up with the Saw franchise, but again, this takes place so much earlier than the other ones that maybe I don't fully need to be. But anyway, it seems to me that the, the entire medical staff of this hospital is just tricking this cancer patient into thinking that he's been cured for some reason. And like, we don't really get the, uh, the backstory of why they're doing that in the, the trailer. I assume that stuff will come in from, you know, in the movie itself. Maybe there's like a hint that like, he has a lot of money that they think that they can get from him somehow. Anyway, I just wanted to see if you understood, if you were able to track exactly why, you know, six different uh, medical professionals would, um, you know, collude to trick a sick man into thinking that he was cured for some reason. I don't think it's tricking him specifically. I think it's like that you have like these desperate people who do have money because they're going to die. And like, and I think it's the idea that like, this is the last place they can turn and give them some hope. And like, they know that they're peddling like, you know, BS, but like, they're gonna, you know, like, Hey, we, you know, we have this thing that might cure you or whatever. And like, and so, but like, I, my assumption is that, uh, uh, John Kramer discovers that they're just pretty much, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors, right? Like they're just doing this stuff, you know, like knowing that they're not actually fixing or helping anyone and doing it to like take people's money. I so see. Okay. My assumption right. is that he's then punishing them for giving people who are dying hope. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Fine. That's what I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. And any other Saw X uh, thoughts before we wrap up today, Ryan? I think it's going to be, so I think Tobin Bell, because he was old when he started doing this movies and they aged him up a little bit in the early ones to make him look like a dying cancer patient. Like I think it's, you can suspend enough disbelief to believe like, okay, that's the same guy. Shawnee Smith 
shows up at the end of this and like yeah. i i not like it's it look i'm not trying to i don't want to i i'm very worried about sending ageist or something but like they're they clearly didn't de-age her or anything and it's like you have to believe that she is 20 years younger that's gonna be a tough like but like relative to what these movies are asking you to do i think that's fine and i think like i said if you're gonna go if you're gonna go like do something crazy take the big swing let's go but yeah, like, I mean, yeah. again, like the Fast and Furious comparison, they do this kind of crap all the time where they jump all over the timeline and they've never once, I don't think, digitally de-aged somebody on purpose uh, to try to make up for that. They're just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. Like, you get it. <laughs> and that yeah, seems to be yeah. the approach that they're taking here. So I kind of hope that they don't try to do anything right. to make her look younger and they just well, lean into it. Right. And that's my thing. Just because it looks like that's what they're doing. It looks like they're just like, we're leaning into this. Like, yeah. I will say this. There was a, I think, because there was an event, a trailer premiere event, I think at like uh, some... Uh, festival or something going on and i saw a tweet I, I think it was the directors or someone talking about it apparently the movie tested so high in test screenings that the studio thought that they might have been like rigged somehow like apparently oh, wow. it, it tested so <laughs> shockingly well for like a horror movie that there was some suspicion that something was up um so like i'm i'm i don't know how true that is but i'm like that got me like so excited for yeah i'll take i'll take that with a pretty big grain of salt especially coming from the filmmakers but uh but i appreciate the salesmanship that goes into something like that but it but man does it work for me i'm like all right because i'm already like i'm already the target audience for something like this and then i'm like okay yeah that sounds fun let's go (laughs) okay all right i think that's going to do it for today's episode you can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at slashfilm.com and i've linked to many of them inside the show notes here the Slash Film Show is published two times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics. Don't forget about those to us at Ben, or I'm sorry, B Pearson at slashfilm.com. B Pearson at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later this week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.